What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is Thursday, May 12th, 2022. It is Power to the Pod, which means it's your questions, your topics, your hot takes, you name it. You're in control of the show. I'm just steering the boat. Thanks for joining. Let's get after it. Locked on Dolphins, Power to the Pod. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. Your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is Thursday, May 12th, 2022. It's about 7.30 in the morning. I was trying to give this a buffer zone in case we got any rumors around the Dolphins' schedule. Um, but it's been pretty tight-lipped to this point in time. So uh, we will forge ahead with just power to the pod. Um, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. I know there are a lot of great outlets out there that cover this team. And those of you who choose to join me on a daily basis, your team every day, we don't just say it, but we live it. Um, is greatly appreciated. So uh, we have some reviews to get into today on the show. Uh, people who left five-star reviews of the podcast with some questions. want to make sure we dive into those as many as we possibly can. It's not the crazy season like in February and March when I was getting about 50 to 60 power to the pod questions a week. It's not that bad. So I feel fairly confident in getting completely caught up today on the show. The First one is in regards to Dolphins rookie linebacker Channing Tindall. Below is a review I sent a few weeks ago, but Power of the Pod had been on hold for the last month or so. Even curious your opinion now that we drafted him. Also, please prioritize Power of the Pod during your busy season. I really enjoy the, enjoy the interaction with a legit Dolphins fan. I respect that, and I promise to be better about that next year. I don't see in any weakness, I don't see, and this is from Finkel is Einhorn. I don't see any weaknesses in Channing Tindall's game besides lack of playing time on a stacked Georgia defense. I don't know why people aren't higher on him. His physical tools are elite, and his film is very good. He quietly had one of the most impressive combines for a linebacker ever. I think he can play any linebacker position as well. I put a higher grade on him than Bear Browning, who you and TDM were very high on last year. Why aren't people pounding the table for this guy? I think he'd be a steal at 50. Well, 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 well played, Finkel is Einhorn. Uh, well played indeed. I'll tell you this. I've been digging into not just Channing, uh, but the Georgia defense in its entirety. And I really like the mentality that this coaching staff has adopted with linebackers. Uh, I want to make sure I get the coach's name right. But I've been watching a lecture from, Cro from Coach Glenn Schumann. Uh, they did a coach's clinic. It's uh available on a website called Coaches Insider. And they're doing, he's doing a lecture talking about linebacker, the value of linebackers in today's game. And this is not just something that's obviously applicable to Channing Tindall because he played on that defense, but it's applicable to NFL teams coping with spread offenses. And he said he wants a Mike mentality without the Mike skill set. And he, he goes at length talking about how linebackers in today's game, you can't afford to be 
so one-dimensional who plays the run A-gap to B-gap to C-gap. And instead, you need to be a guy who can play in space with sideline to sideline range, can be a pressure player, and can carry vertically against routes down the field. You have to be able to do all of those things. And as you mentioned, Finkel is Einhorn, the physical profile that Channing Tindall presents gives you that opportunity, right? Now, that's not to say Channing Tindall is not without uh, room for growth. And that is where what you talking about needing more playing time and more reps comes into play. Um, whereas Channing, they talked about third down. They talked about pressure situations. And Coach Schumann is very deliberate about whether you're in a staggered two-point stance or you're flat-footed on the second level, when you are blitzing, how they want your weight distribution, how they want your feet set. Uh, he's talking about in a staggered stance, you want an 80-20 split between your front foot and your back foot, and you really want to drop your shoulders down to make sure all that body weight's loaded on that front leg. But then you want to, like a sprinter coming out of the, the blocks, you want to explode through both feet equally. It's just you have a different load amount that's going to help you create a lot of force. And then in your uh, flat-footed stance on the second level, you want Coach Schumann said he, he dictates to his players he wants their toes curled down into the ground. Uh, and that's to try to get as much of your weight loaded on the balls of your feet as you can. So if you false step, you're still getting forward momentum with your false step instead of stepping backwards to then drive and go forwards. And he mentioned 41, and that's obviously Channing Tindall. He said, you know, 41 was a notorious false stepper. And, and that goes back to reps and muscle memory and so on and so forth. But then he pulled up some of the practice clips of them going through their warmups and their releases uh, in pressure situations when they were working on pass rushes. And he pointed out Channing Tindall and he said, listen, you could see he's taking a false step here, clear as day, versus the guy next to him was Quay Walker, who was a first-round pick for the Packers. But they're getting through the drill in the same amount of time because even though Channing is false stepping, he's still getting forward momentum with his false step because they've dictated the curl of the toes in the ground. So that's a very long-winded response to talking about Channing Tindall. Um, but I love, and I'm only, I'm less than halfway through this lecture. It's phenomenal. Uh, but talking about linebackers needing the physical skill set to be able to do all those things. And you think about the Dolphins and Jerome Baker and all the ways the Dolphins have used Jerome Baker, even, it was, even when it necessarily wasn't the ideal implementation of Jerome Baker. Well, if you want to find the perfect balance on your defense, and if, if Channing Tindall is going to help you unlock the full potential of your defense, ideally, Tyndall and Baker never leave the field. And you got five DBs on the field, and you got defensive linemen down in front of them. Four. And the four that you have are interchangeable. Or maybe you have a thump linebacker if you're going to go odd front like a true 3-4. But Tyndall and Baker, in a perfect world, because they're both space players, they're both capable pressure players. Go look at Jerome Baker's pressure production over the last couple of years. They can both carry vertically down the field. They can robot technique where they turn their eyes back to the quarterback and they hunt those crossers coming across the middle of the field. They'll get their head around and they'll find it and they'll attack the landmark where they can meet that player 
in anticipation that that's where, that's where the ball is going to be playing. And they have sideline to sideline range. So everything that Coach Glenn Schumann talked about with the mentality of Georgia Bulldogs linebackers, I think Jerome Kate Baker is capable of being, and that's why the Dolphins paid him. And then on top of that, you do have a guy in Channing Tindall who's rough around the edges because he hasn't played a lot of football, but at the same time can absolutely positively afford you all of those same skill sets as defined by the Georgia Bulldogs uh, defense and the linebackers coach themselves. So uh, Finkel and Zeinhorn, I know that that really got into the weeds beyond what you were asking, but it's front of mind for me because I am studying the infrastructure that was around Channing Tindall right now. Just like afterwards, I plan on studying whatever I can get my hands on the infrastructure around Eric Azucana. Larry Oden. What's up, Kyle? Thanks for keeping us informed, doing all the grinding of the tape. Oh, no, thank you. It's my pleasure. I guarantee you that. Uh, consider myself knowledgeable, uh, but nonetheless learned from you over the last couple of years. Thank you. There is no greater compliment that you can pay me. What are your early thoughts on wide receiver prospect Jordan Addison? He's gaining a lot of notoriety uh, over the past few weeks, but it's all just so crazy to me because we actually went to the same high school in Little Frederick, Maryland, which is somewhat close to you. It absolutely is close to me. I'm actually car shopping right now, too, and I've been looking at a couple uh, vehicles in Frederick. So if I swing by, I'll, I'll try to mention something. Um yeah, Addison is getting a lot of attention right now uh, because if I, I remember this correctly, uh, he's one of the guys who's the new poster children for like the NIL and what what people perceive to be problems with NIL. He is uh, getting a lot of attention from every powerhouse program in the country. He's planning on transferring from Pittsburgh. He played with Kenny Pickett last year. He was his top pass catcher. It's like USC, Texas, uh, all the Blue Bloods, right? All the Blue Blood programs are trying to get their hands on Jordan Addison. And I'll say this. He is a phenomenal football player. Uh, he is from Frederick, Maryland, six foot 175, so he's not a bigger guy. Um, but he had his freshman season, he had 60 receptions for 666 yards and four touchdowns in 10 games. His true freshman season. That was in 2020. Uh, this past year in 2021, he led all of college football with 17 touchdowns receptions in the regular season, and he won the Bolitnikoff Award for the top wide receiver in the country. He's a consensus first-team All-American. Phenomenal player. Uh, I don't know how much he's going to be a, a long-term target for the Dolphins, given the presence of Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, and presumably Cedric Wilson has a vision for this, and uh, they just drafted Ezukama in the fourth round, and um, they've got some bodies, right? So I, I don't think where Jordan Addison is going to be coveted as a draft pick when it's all said and done is going to be somebody uh, that really moves the needle for Miami. Although you never know, they may stumble into courtesy of San Francisco because of course it would never be with the Dolphins pick, uh, fall into the top five of the draft or something like that. And then, uh, then I suppose we, we would have to wait and see, but, um, yeah, I think his story is very interesting. I got into some NIL stuff 
with uh, Juice and Travis and Seth on the the Dolphins spaces uh, that took place last night on on Wednesday night, and we talked a little bit about NIL, uh, the challenges that that is is presenting. Uh, but the opportunities that that is presenting the athletes as well to make better decisions as far as when it's their time to to leave college football and go into the draft. So uh, it's a very complex, a complex issue because players with different backgrounds, uh, football is oftentimes their vehicle of getting out of bad neighborhoods and, and bad environments growing up. And they have people that have helped them get to that point and they don't want to do right by those people. And, and you have to be able to, to make money. And up until NIL, the only way to do that was to leave early and go pro and and bet on yourself and hope that you can make it. But sometimes those guys aren't ready and their financial long-term outlook changes for the worst. But uh, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, instead, we're going to keep moving on here. Uh, but I, I do want to men mention, since I did mention I'm, I'm shopping for cars right now, our friends over at rockauto.com. It's a family business that's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or your daily driver, rockauto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price is the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Visit rockauto.com or write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. The next review comes from Long Island Conservative. And I hope there's a question at the end of this review. Hmm. He just gave me a little love. Okay, so I'll, re I'll read. I don't like reading the self-flattering ones uh, without a question, but Kyle does a sensational job hosting. Uh, great analysis on the team's roster, style, and schemes. Most importantly, analysis of individual players. His background in draft analyst with TDN gives us great insight to new talents on the team, division, and the league. Love his other podcast with Locked On Bills host, Joe Marino. Uh, they do the draftees. Thank you very much for listening. Kurt, Kyle, who are your top eight players? Top eight players from 2010 to 2020. Do you mean top eight NFL draft prospect grades I've assigned through my draft work? Do you mean top eight NFL players? Do you mean top eight Miami Dolphins? I'm going to assume that you mean my top eight Miami Dolphins of the decades of the 2010s. So this is this is a challenge. You have a little handy dandy resource here that I'm going to tap into. Um, Jason Taylor counts. He's on the team in 2011, or he played until 2011. Uh, so Jason Taylor is going to be my number one player on this board. Cam Wake has to be number two. Those two guys are non-negotiables for me. Uh, Ricky Williams is probably three. <sighs> and he played in 2010, so he counts as well. Xavier Howard is in here. Uh, that's probably four. 
I'm going to go with, I'm just looking over a list here and it, it, it's not in chronological order, but it does give me a little bit of qualifiers uh, based on timeline. See, Xavier Howard was four. Rashad Jones is five. So I need three more. There's a part of me that wants to take the easy way out. Is it the easy way? I don't know. <laughs> and take the three rookies from last year's class. Because like 2007 through 2011 or two, through 2009, is a pretty hollow void uh, for likable players on the Dolphins. I, I'll put Brandon Marshall in there. I've, I've always loved Brandon Marshall's game. I know he was not with the Dolphins for a long extended period of time. Jarvis Landry can go on that list for me, although I'm I'm not as uh, romantically attached to the memories of Jarvis Landry as though it seems a lot of, a lot of Dolphins fans are. I have a great deal of respect for what Jarvis has created for himself and, and what he's been as a player, but he's not like, and he's certainly not somebody that I, I would pound, would have pounded the table for this offseason for the Dolphins to bring back. And then I have to go... I have to go Jalen Waddell because of how much I pounded the table for Jalen Waddell throughout the course of that entire draft process. Uh, and then for him to be the pick at six and for him to be the player that he was for the Dolphins and to have a 1,000 yards as a rookie and to set the rookie receptions record... That's just a kind of a very cool professional slash personal blend of moments for me, knowing how avid I was in support of Jalen Waddell as the Dolphins' top choice with their first pick. And that for, for that to materialize was very, very cool. Um, so that actually fills out all of the reviews questions that we have today but that's not a problem because what i also have is a question that somebody <laughs> had left after i think it was rangers post game was where this person came up with this one so i'm gonna switch over here to twitter and i know had this had been submitted to me uh via twitter and it was about eric coleman who's a former nfl safety played for atlanta uh, and he played for the New York Jets. And he's on TV, uh, and they're asking about the finishing position of the Jets and the Giants within the AFC and NFC East this year. And effectively, Eric Coleman locked in the Patriots as the number two team in the division, the Jets as the third team in the division, and the Dolphins as the fourth team in the division because... Uh, they showed a practice clip of Tua throwing a ball down the field that looked like it was a duck shot out of the air. So that automatically means uh, that the, the Dolphins are going to be the fourth place team. Cliff, is he for real? Pats are for sure second and Dolphins fourth because Tua sucks. Okay, let's see. You actually lay some money on that. I sure should have turned TV off after the Rangers postgame. I've tried not to get into the Tua 
practice clip uh, discourse that exists. Uh, it should not be breaking news or a surprise that Tua Tagovailoa trying to unload a, a deep ball uh, in play, in mini cam with a turn the back to the defense drop in which he pats the ball and hitches at the top of the, of the drop underthrows Tyreek Hill and it does not look like Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. He does not have Patrick Mahomes' arm. Like is is anybody surprised to hear that? Would it have been my selection if I was looking for a hype play from practice? No, probably not. I, I certainly would have done a camera cut or something like that. But that that's really neither here nor there. Nobody should be surprised that that's not something that two is thriving in right now based on how irregular he's been asked to do it and the results when he has done it. I understand the accuracy, the completion percentage on throws 20 plus yards down the field is, is close to 50%. I get it. But again, arm strength is more than just your raw power to muscle throws 60 yards down the field. And that's all I want to say about the practice clip. And I want to bring this back to Eric Coleman. Eric Coleman's second most recent tweet was, I guess we won the first round of the draft. Talking about the Jets. Are we surprised that he's going to take a, a flowers-based approach in talking about New York? Am I surprised? No, we're not. And it's the same way that I'm not above this either. You know, like I love the Dolphins. I am supposed to be analyzing and breaking down and discussing the team as objectively as I possibly can be. But yeah, the, like the tie goes to the runner, as the saying goes in baseball. I'm going to give the Dolphins, um, if I'm picking games a lot of the times, I will give them as much. I, I like to try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, I predicted four wins in 2019, and they won five. I predicted nine wins in 2020, and they won 10. I believe I predicted 11 wins in 2021, and they won nine. So my three-year track record, like I would like to think I have shown from a record prediction standpoint to be fairly objective talking about this football team. But I love the team, and I acknowledge that I love the team, and I'm going to tell you that I love the team. There's a reason I tell you I'm a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and I got a grind tape jersey hanging in the background behind me in my office here. That's Miami Dolphins custom jersey. I love the Dolphins. In the same way that I would assume Eric Coleman, based on him using we after the first round of the draft in which the Jets pick three times, um, loves the Jets. And there's a, a connection and affiliation there because he used to play for the team. So no, I'm not in the least bit surprised that, that he's taking a grass is greener approach with the Jets. Am I surprised that he's punching down on the Dolphins? Yes. Because Jets fans want to get in this pissing contest on social media right now. Oh, yeah, you guys just as much in the mud as we are. Really? Do you want to have that conversation about what the last eight years has looked like for both of these teams? You want to do the math on how many games you've won? How many games you've won against the Dolphins, specifically, in head-to-head -head matchups? We are not the same. I am sorry. Not in the last eight years. Yeah, historically, you know, we, we've both had a rough 20-year stretch. That's for sure, and, and that that's perfectly reasonable stance to take. But you can't look at the last eight-year sample. You know what? Now they got me started.
They got me started. The Jets, since 2014, which is 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, the last eight years, Jets divisional finishes, fourth, second, fourth, 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 third, fourth, fourth, win totals, four, 10, five, five, four, seven, two, four. Really? Really? Six dead last finishes in the AFC East in the last eight years. And that third place finish, when you had seven wins, was really only because the Dolphins were deliberately shredding it down to the foundation. And, oh, by the way, if not for a BS pass interference call on Nick Needham at the end of that football game that set the Jets up to win the football game, you'd have had six wins and been tied with the Dolphins, and the Dolphins would have swept you, and you'd have been last place again. So spare me. The Dolphins have, are just as much in the mud as the Jets. We are not. We are absolutely not. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, listen, our friends over Bet Online. perhaps you want to get in on the betting totals uh, for these teams. Friends at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures, including those win totals on the Dolphins and Jets if you're feeling frisky. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports waging information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline where the game starts. And that's where we will close today since we do not have any additional rumors that are absolutely concrete uh, as far as the NFL schedule is is pertained. Uh, and we do not have any more reviews for power to the pod uh, that we need to make sure that we tackle. We have NFL team wins. And we're going to cover the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills, uh, the line is set at 11 and a half wins for Buffalo. And I certainly think that's a reasonable number. I think from a talent perspective, a roster perspective, this is a better football team than last year. Um, they are going to be a very, very legitimate contender in the playoffs once again, barring injuries, uh, are the Buffalo Bills. The Miami Dolphins, the line is set at eight and a half wins. So 500. They are minus 130 to hit the over on eight and a half wins. Uh, what that means is you know, the, the odds you get better, you get worse returns for betting them over eight and a half as compared to under eight and a half, which means that they are favored to go nine wins or more. The New England Patriots also set at over eight and a half wins, and they have equal payout odds for both over and under, minus 130 on the over and plus 100 on the under. So both the Dolphins and Patriots favored to get up over uh, eight and a half wins. The New York Jets, their line is set at six wins this season. Six. Minus 120. 
uh, on the under and minus 110 on the over. So they are not even, they're actually more favored to, based on the odds, go under six wins than to go over six wins. But um, anytime the number is flat, I think it's it's easier to take the the over because six pushes, right? So if I were betting and the Bills were at 11 and a half, I would probably take the over on the Bills at 11 and a half. I would take the over on the Dolphins at eight and a half. I would take the under on the Patriots at eight and a half. And we've talked at length plenty about why I do not think the New England Patriots are a better football team this year than last year. And then the New York Jets. Um, I have to ask myself, what's more likely? Do I think the Jets get five or do I think they get seven? Right? Because when the when it's at six total, six is a push. So it's really not even a qualifying number. It's it's the absolutes of five or seven. And if you told me that the Jets were going to get seven, if I'm taking the Dolphins and the Bills to have winning records and the Patriots are going to be close to 500, I'm going to fade that. So I would take the under on the Jets as well. So I take the over on the first two teams in the division, the Bills and the Dolphins, and I take the under on the second two, the Patriots and the Jets. That's just me. But again, much like Eric Coleman on New York Jets T or New York media talking about his jets he's going to see it through a more favorable lens i see plenty of pathways for the dolphins to have success and therefore i'm going to bet that they do uh, when it's all said and done so schedule release recap tomorrow look forward to putting a bow on this week with some fine details in regards to the dolphins 2022 regular season schedule uh, so make sure you plan accordingly kyle Krabs. Locked on Dolphins, fins up. Keep it locked in right here. Thanks, as always, for watching or listening.